The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show where I am excited, excited, excited today for the guests that I have on because, frankly, I use a lot of the information that uh, that he and his organization uh, pass along through their Facebook page, and we'll talk more about that as the show continues. And we are looking to change the world, but again, as I've said in previous shows, changing the world doesn't mean trying to change what's going on in, in Europe. Well, that will help, but the way we most are most successful in changing the world is changing the world with the people who live around us and people that we can impact. And our children, as it said in the opening, are the future of, of, of our country, of, of the world, and how we raise those kids is going to make a big difference as to what kind of li- world they're going to live in and our grandchildren are going to live in. I can think of no other area, in, as far as children are concerned, where the Aspects or characteristics of honor and love and hard work and perseverance can be taught than youth sports. And that's why I've asked Rob Miller, who's been on the show in the one other time from Proactive Coaching, to come on the show to talk a little bit about what their organization does. Um, and, and if you don't follow them on Facebook, if, if, if you have kids in sports, shame on you. You should be doing that. Uh, you should be following me, too, but you should really like the, the, the Facebook coach page with proactive coaching um without any further ado rob welcome to the show thanks mickey it's good to be back with you and hope all's well everything is extremely well it sounds like you're up in michigan right now where it's about 60 some degrees while i'm sweating actually kansas isn't too bad today it's about 82 83 but friday when we kick off a state baseball tournament it's supposed to be 97 there's nothing like July in northern Michigan sitting on the shores of Lake Michigan with that breeze coming in. It, 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 it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah, but I can't imagine being there in January. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you I'm in up- Kansas in, in January. <laughs> now, you grew up up there, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Michigan native. I grew up a little bit farther south, mid-Michigan area, but right on Lake Huron, the shores of Lake Huron. So so I get drawn back to the water all the time. And even though I live in the Kansas City area now, uh, Something about being around the lake is just is just priceless. But you're right, Januarys can be pretty brutal. <laughs> That's why I head back to the Carolinas as much as I can in January, even from Kansas. You know, you could, and and that really isn't isn't that warm in the in the winter. It is warmer than Wichita. 
Yeah, but, that's right. Uh, but anyway, hey, let's talk about uh, let's introduce people to you a little bit so that they know where you're coming from and and I if they haven't listened to the show in the past the show that you were on they'll know more about you and then tell us a little bit about proactive coaching. Sure, let me start out with the proactive coaching part of it, and because you hit on something when you were talking about the, the what what I would refer to the intentionality of teaching of character traits in sport. Because that's vital, and that's what proactive coaching, a lot of what we're talking about is, is the intentionality of sport. Because every study out there shows that sport does not teach character. If you follow Dr. Sharon Stowell up at the University of Idaho at all, or, or Lieutenant Colonel Joe Doty, um, uh, Lieutenant uh, Joe Doty, who is retired from West Point, the studies they've done have shown that the farther you progress in sport, the more moral reasoning and character values go down. And, and so they're fairly high when you're young, but it doesn't take long for those to start going down. And so at Proactive Coaching, we really try to, uh, to emphasize the intentionality of sport and what we can do to make it a positive experience. And mine comes because that's what I had, a great experience. I, I grew, like I said, I grew up in Michigan. I played every sport possible in, in junior high and high school and, and came through, and then I had the chance to play small college basketball at an NAI school in Michigan. Well, I went on to coach uh, both at the high school and college level, uh, high school level basketball track, uh, college level men's basketball for a number of years, and uh, and also youth sport with my with my daughter when she was going through the youth sport, and then finally I worked at the NAIA uh, and also the National Christian College Athletic Associations and Administration before I ended up in this endeavor of of working with proactive coaching and and uh, with my partner Bruce Brown and kind of a little bit more about proactive. Uh, Bruce is a retired coach up in the Seattle area. Uh, he coached for a number of years, over 30 years at the junior high, high school, college level. I always love to say he ended up back at the junior high level towards the end of his career because that's when he thought he had the most impact with kids, which I think mm-hmm. is huge in our yeah. society. And, and then Bruce and I worked together at the NAIA for a number of years. And then in 2008, we started our, Bruce had already had proactive coaching going. I, I came along as his partner. And today we speak all across the country from youth organizations to, to um, high schools to colleges. In fact, we're pretty proud to, to know that one of, our, one of the teams we've worked with a lot over the last number of years, primarily Bruce working with them, was Vanderbilt Baseball, who just won the College World Series. Yeah, there, there's a little, little, little pride with that one, by the way. A little pride with here. that one, but, yeah. and not just because they won, how they won. And, Absolutely. And, and, and again, t- talking about the intentionality of Tim Corbin, the head coach there in Vanderbilt. I love going up to Omaha and just talking about College World Series because without ever saying we work with them, how many people will go, that Vanderbilt team, man, they're first class. And that's what you want to hear. You win with class, and that's what what Vanderbilt did. And and so that's a credit to, to Coach Corbin and what he does with his kids. And, well, and, and with Tim, with with Tim, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's not just been what he's done at Vanderbilt. It's what he did when he was a Presbyterian college, building that program from the ground up, yep. going on to Clemson for about ten years, and then ultimately winding up at my alma mater, which was really cool because I, I he did recruit me when he was at Presbyterian College. I used to, I tell stories on the show all the time how I was dating a girl that was playing volleyball at uh, at Presbyterian College my senior year of high school, and. Uh, Tim was the, the coach of the baseball team. Well, when I'd go down to visit Shannon, I would just hang out with Coach Corbin until volleyball practice was over. And I never, you know, I, I, I remember this conversation like it was, it was yesterday. I'm sitting in the office, and I'm looking over at one of those blue hats with the P on it, and I said, Coach, I'd really like to have one of those hats. And he said, well, Mickey, i got a piece of paper over here you can sign, and you can have all you want. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like and, and I had already committed to Vanderbilt at that time, but, but – yeah. uh, 
great, but, great guy. Great guy, and, and like like you said, he's done it wherever he's been at, and, and he's all. And what I love about him, and it's the same thing you love about Shashevsky and Izzo, and and the big names, they're always trying to get better. They never stop learning. They always are going to clinics. They're always seeking out what, how can they get better. And that, that to me, is, is intentional coaching and, and what's behind it. And we have to do that whether we're intentional as coaches, intentional as athletes, intentional as parents, or that, or that key role, which is maybe the most important role, is that parent who's coaching. And those are yeah. all huge things that, that influence our kids. Yeah, that brings me back to what you said a minute ago regarding those studies that show that once you reach higher levels, that, that some of the character characteristics that we like to teach with youth sports starts to disappear what why does that happen what what do you what do you think is going on there well i think i think a number of things come into play uh number one is you know now somewhere along the line okay whether it be in junior high school or a little even in in our days even before that um talent is enough because i want to win so bad I'm not going to discipline you for being late. I'm not going to discipline you for cutting your line drills short. I'm not going to discipline you for not doing your weight workout because you're ta- I need your talent. And uh-huh. we start disciplining kids not based on character, but we discipline them based on talent. Uh-huh. And that's not a good thing. That, that takes away, that starts getting into that habit of saying, okay, I can get away with this. And, and then entitlement creeps in. And so I think when you have that kind of, cross between the, 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 I don't even know how to phrase it, but the, the, the desire to win, which is a good thing, okay, I right, want to right. win, I want to win, just play anything with me, you'll find I like to win, I've eliminated that with my golf game because I just can't do it, but everything <laughs> else, I just oh, want no, to you win. Can always, hey, you can always find somebody, I can always find, <laughs> you can always find somebody that you can Where beat, and you can always with me. find somebody it, that can beat you. Yeah, that's right. But but how do you balance that until you sacrifice? One of, one of my favorite Bruce quotes, my partner, is this. You can either align your actions with your principles, or you can change your principles to align with your actions. And when you look at that quote, I think in sport a lot of times we go to that other route, and, and we get away from our principles. We get away from that. And that now we have that desire to win where we'll sacrifice our values for W's, and on the other end of it, you have people coming in feel they're entitled, and that kind of leads to a lot of those things of lack of, of character and ethics as you go through things. And, and that really is a hard thing to, to, to handle. Once it's embedded and becomes a cultural thing, that's hard to, hard to change. It is, and I think that's why you find some of the, uh, the, the famous, you know, the, the person that comes to mind is Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens was fantastic talent. But he got away with anything and everything he wanted. In the end, all he wound up doing, it many, and it's a shame that his legacy is going to probably be this, has been a disruption to his teams. Whereas you have folks like Michael Jordan. Uh, Derek Jeter is the one I love. Derek Jeter is the ultimate professional, and he does it right. But do you wind up destroying the team because you do give these guys the – or gals, for that matter, the the entitlement mentality. Because in in the end, I think that's what winds up destroying a society at the same time is because you have people that believe that I deserve this, I should get this, I should get this. When if we actually look at it from a scriptural standpoint, everything that Christ ever teaches us, and I don't know that everyone listens to the show as a Christian, but his is all about serving others. Yeah, yeah. and that's, 
that's the, 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 the big thing. How do you lead? How do you be a teammate? And just a couple examples. You nailed Jeter. The other one during the heyday of the Yankees with Jeter is Rivera, uh, uh-huh. Mariano Rivera. Both of them were ultimate teammates. Okay? Now think about culture, though. How many of those Yankees, you know, and I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm a Tiger fan. So those were the, you know, how do you get through the Yankees? You know, that's. Oh, yeah. I used to tell, I used to tell my wife, I said, this is really hard because I really like these guys on these teams, but it's the Yankees for heaven's sake. It's kind of like watching the old Celtics <laughs> team. You love, the, you, you don't like the Celtics, but you love the players of the Celtics, you know. It, exactly. It, 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 and you come through and you sit there. Well, think about those guys and how long they stayed together to create that versus. I mean, Versus a T.O. and other people, I'm just not singing out T.O. here because there's others there with it, that are on one, two-year deals and they leave, and what they leave is a, is a team in crisis. Right. And, and you're, you're, that's a good yeah. example, I think, of saying here's the difference between the, the two and coming back to yours on service. I think that's huge. Yeah, are, are you thinking? I even see some of that playing out right now with what's going on with the Miami Heat and LeBron James and, and, and those guys that – it, 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 you know, Michael Jordan never even thought about playing for other teams. You think about the really, really greats like Jeter's played his whole career um, with the Yankees. You think about the ultimate, ultimate Cal Ripken Jr., who played his entire career with Baltimore. And then you go back to Mariana Rivera, and I think that is a great story that most people don't really think about is the fact that Mariana Rivera, as great as he was, in the first year that they won a World Series with that team, he played a back role as a setup man for Tim Wetland. Yep, exactly. And also, I loved the, the not only that, but he gave, he was so gracious even in his heyday. I remember when he set the all-time saves record and they're interviewing him. He thanked even his bullpen catchers for making him better because he understood the concept of team. The the Heat thing's very interesting to me because because. Um, yeah, it's about money, and, and I have nothing against people. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a true-blood capitalist. You know, I have uh-huh. nothing against them going after it. You know, and, and I wonder as I sit back, you'd love to be in the mind of LeBron. And, and poor LeBron, because everybody's in his mind. I mean, that uh, right. guy gets, he can't, you talk about a microscope. That guy can't breathe wrong, and somebody isn't noticing. Right. But you, you wonder if he's looking at it saying, we're past, and I need to build another culture team, or... Am I? What, what, what? You just love to see what his mind's thinking right now because I, I'm not. I'm not a LeBron. I kind of like the Heat and, and the roles they serve. Now I'm a much more San Antonio fan. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's the ultimate team right there, and I love them. I love them. But it's it's going to be interesting how this plays out and see where these players go. And is it money driven or team driven for championships? Very interesting. They're going to get their money, but the question is, are they going for championships or even loyalty? If he goes back to Cleveland, that's making a huge step as well. Yeah, yeah. And we're coming up on a break, and, and, and these commercial things get in the way of a great conversation. But we, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about how, how sport can be significant in the lives of kids and, and how we're missing out on those opportunities, we as coaches and, and we as parents, by not focusing on the development of the character versus just the skills of the play of the game. We'll be back from this break in a second. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, where we're going to get right after this segment. We have with us Rob Miller from Proactive Coaching. You can follow Proactive Coaching on, on Facebook or like them on Facebook. At the same time, don't don't. it's okay if you like the Mickey Ellison Show, too. Um, I'm at like 230, and I think Proactive Coaching is at 95,000, so I could use a few more likes. But uh, anyway... Um, we went to forward to the break. We got off a little bit on a tangent with pro sports, but I want to go back, uh, Rob, to the Tim Corbin example, and 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 I think the, I think I can tie this all together. I have often looked at at coaches as the ones that you respect. Look, if you have never seen Tim, Tim Corbin, you need to look up Vanderbilt baseball and learn more about Tim Corbin. But when I went up to the College World Series to see him play the UC Irvine game, I got a chance to speak to him. Tim, I don't know how old Tim is today, but he looks like he could actually step out on the field and play right now. And I think that we as coaches, um, if we really want the kids to be extremely successful, we have to be what we want them to be. And I think that is the greatest example that we can give. I often, um, you know, I don't know that you know this, Rob. I about 15 years ago, no, Jordan's 13. 13 years ago, and there's a there is a picture on Facebook to prove this. I was a at a I'm about six feet tall, and I was at least 250, 260 pounds. And today I'm at about 175, 180, which is uh is about where I want to be. But when I first started to train, and I never really actually used trainers, Rob, because I, I've been blessed with self-motivation to build. I, I don't need someone to tell me to get up. I, it was just getting started that was the hard part. But when I would look at trainers, when I, if I went into a, a, a place and I was going to try to get myself into shape, the person I wanted to train me was the person that looked like what I wanted to look like. So why as coaches, it drives me nuts to see football coaches that are 200 pounds overweight trying to tell these guys to get in shape. You know, that is interesting with, with the whole thing. And 
of course, you know, some of it you have to realize who people are and health issues and things like that. But at the same time, if you can't get your engine going, don't expect your kids to have it going. If you can't bring fire and passion, don't expect your kids to have fire and passion. If you can't be a worker, don't expect your kids to be a worker. Uh, because you're right, they, they, they look at you and, and they say, what are you bringing every day? If, you know, and, and coming back to the character end of it, don't ask me to have integrity and follow through if you're not going to have integrity and follow through. And, and, you know, I think, you know, even yesterday in the, you know, in the bizarre soccer game, and I didn't see any of the game. I saw none, none of the game yesterday when Germany won 7-1. But I saw the interview of the coach after the game for Brazil, and I thought, okay, players model that. Because he got up in front and said, I know what my players will say. We all share the blame and we play. But me, the coach, I'm the one that set the game plan. I'm the one that decided who was going to play. That falls on me. This game falls on me. And how many times do you see just the opposite, where you see people bailing and having excuses and forcing issues on somebody else? This guy took responsibility himself. Yeah, and, and we we had a similar situation I've told on the show before with our team that, that I looked at the play that they gave us on one day, and actually doing some self-evaluation that night, I realized that they were just – that it was just a reflection of us as coaches, and once we changed the uh, the the movement or, or the idea with the team to to let them emulate us and do it on a positive level, I want to tell you that that this Kings baseball team that stands for Kids in God's Service, Rob, we started off a season at about seven and nine, and our 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 goals were we do go out to each and every game to win each and every game, but through. You guys with proactive coaching and through John O'Sullivan with, uh, with changing the game project, the way that I coached the game did change this year. And I watched those kids, while we, we didn't focus on the wins and losses, I watched them go from a 7-9 and nine record to ending the season at, I think it was 29-15. and 15. And it was one of the. It wasn't just because they were winning. Winning did make it more fun. But I saw growth in kids that, you know, we had one kid at the beginning of the year that is the. He is the best athlete bar none, and has the highest upside of any kid I've ever coached in any sport. And once he realized that uh, uh, his biggest enemy was himself. And by the end of the year, you know, there were still signs every once in a while where, where he would get so mad at himself that he would play, play worse. But I could go out there and have a conversation with him and change that. Um, let's go, Rob. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys post sometimes on, on uh, Facebook because there's one that I really, really do like on here. And um, I actually put it in the show description this week. It, it talks about, it says, coaching, success is a good goal. Excellence is more important. But the purpose of coaching is significance. Significance is about serving others in a way that that they take part of the experience with. Uh, let me just do that again. I can't read, by the way. Coaching success is a good goal. Excellence is more important, but the purpose of coaching is significance. Significance is about serving others in a way that they take part of the experience with you and use it to pay it forward in in their life. And that's what I'm hoping to do with this show, and I, we're hoping to do it with uh, with youth sports. But we have bigger plans with some folks that are going to be on next week. But t- talk about um, the what, what what that actually means. Well, I think a coach's significance is somebody where where you you teach your kids something that they live out in their life, and and that's so important because we better be good with our X and O's, and we want to teach them now age appropriate X and O's, age appropriate skills. You know, you don't teach that four-year-old, 14-year-old skills, and you don't teach 14-year-old, 24-year-old skills. 
you know, you age appropriate, but you want to be good with the skills and the X and O's. But the question is on significance. What are you teaching through your sport that makes them a better teammate for life? That, to me, is the key. And there's so many great things you can do out there with that. And, and you know, in the sport of basketball, can I teach them that they're going to touch the line every single time and not take shortcuts? And I'm going to te- teach them certain things in every sport that they can live out in their life, and it makes them a better teammate. I always said, you know, as a youth coach, I want to do one thing as when I'm teaching five-year-old girls. I want to teach them one thing that makes them a better basketball player, and I want to teach them one thing that makes them a better teammate. That's going to help the next coach and the next team they're on, even if they're not on a basketball team. They might be on a play. They might be on whatever team they are. But it's going to develop them as a person and a productive member of society. Because take a look at the stats. We all know this. 74% of all kids are done with sport by the age of 13 years old. So guess what? We better be teaching them something else because they're already done with sport. By the time you get into high school, you're done into the mid-80s. By the time you get into college, you're into the high 90s. That's how few are playing sport as far as at a competitive level by the age of 20. So think about that. 2022, 98% of the society is out of playing competitive sports. But they're going to be on teams the rest of their life. That's the significance part. What am I putting into them? One of the things we talk about, too, is how do you know you're in that level? And we talk about paychecks. And for us, paychecks is this. Kids who stay in your life after they leave your team. You know, you had them at eight, when they're eight years old or 18 years old, and they're still coming back to you and saying, finding you, seeking you out. They stay in your life because they, they knew they learned something about life when they were with you. Yeah, that, that's one of the interesting things I find about Bobby Knight. And, and Bobby Knight, as much of a character as he was, it seemed to me that there are a lot of those kids that did go back to him once they finished playing at the college level because despite his, his antics and the many things that he did, I think he truly cared about each and every one of those kids. And then talking about that, that touch in the line, you as a basketball coach, you know good and well that if they stop six inches short of that line – it doesn't, it's not going to translate into them being in better or worse shape, but it's the attention to the detail of touching that line that leads to the life lesson. It's not that they're, it's not just to get them in better shape. It's because those little details are what are going to make a huge difference in their life in the future. It's about shortcuts. Are you, are you going to take a shortcut every time life comes around? Because running and touching that extra six inches to grab that line every time, you're right. That's only going to add up to probably about 50 feet in a day. But the thing is, What's going to happen when real-life situations hit? Are you going to look for that shortcut to get around them? Are you going to look for that shortcut at the job? Are you going to look for that shortcut when family crisis is hit? All those things play into life. And, you know, as a college coach, you know, I think one of the things I look at is I, I try to watch a kid in practice and not let him know I'm there and then, and then see, is he touching the lines or is he taking shortcuts? That tells you an awful lot about a, about a person's character, about what they're doing. Yes, do they come into work every day five minutes late or do they show up on time? It's that old cliche, it's not what you do while I'm watching, it's what you do when I'm not that really matters. And, um, you know, I think we see that in a lot of areas in life. I think that's why you have a a society where infomercials to get rich quick work on people because they're looking for that shortcut to get get rich or they think that's going to be the the road to happiness with rich but i find a lot of i've I've run into a lot of miserable rich people and that's not saying being rich didn't have anything to do with them being miserable it had to do with their life and 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 probably more to do with with their character it also makes it where as financial planners which is what i do for an actual living it's why 
why certain people can be susceptible to Ponzi schemes because they're looking for that shortcut in life. And, and you know, what I, I, I have anything I've ever done in my life that has been something that was of significance, there was a point in time where you almost felt like quitting. But because you didn't and you didn't take that shortcut, you wound up with something greater than you could have ever imagined. And it's not always monetary, uh, Rob. It, it Sometimes it, you know, the significance I get in coaching these kids in baseball means more to me than making two or $300,000 a year as a financial planner because I know I'm impacting those lives. And it's not saying that as a financial planner, you, can't, you do impact lives. There's no doubt about that. But the... I think so much gets caught up in um, certain perceptions of what is going to lead to a happy life that we forget the most important things, which are are going to be our family, our loved ones, and, and, and those other things that are more important. I think that's internal and external, Mickey. I think internally it's us looking at that quick fix, and that's why, you know, the drive up here from Kansas City to northern Michigan, how many casinos do you drive by and how many times do you see the parking lot full, and you're going, you know, why? I mean, you know, some people are doing it because they're throwing 20 bucks in their pocket and going for a night of entertainment. Uh-huh. Other people are doing it. A lot of people are in there because they think that's how they're going to make their wealth. And yeah. and those places wouldn't be open if that was the case. Yeah, that's, and we're getting that. Go ahead. That's the internal. The external part is the, the, the value society puts on stardom. And like mm-hmm. we talk about in teams, you know, we got to get used to life is not fair. Certain people are going to get more attention than other people. Certain people are going to make more money than other people. Certain people are going to get the glory. That's okay. The key is this. Everybody has equal value. I don't care if you're the star or the role player, the kid that never gets off the bench. You have equal value. You're not going to have equal attention. You're not going to have equal glory. You're not going to have equal pay. Not equal playing time. But you're going to have equal value. Well, and then when you get into trying to create and make everyone else equal, you wind up being unfair to the people who are actually excellent in certain things that they do. And so up then it becomes mediocre. unfair to them. That's right. You wind up being everybody winds up being mediocre. Well, it's how you wind up with Soviet unions and and all of the these failed communist states and that have have plagued the world for years. Now, the idea of making sure everybody has everything is a good idea, but when you start moving that into the political realm, you get into some really dangerous areas when, as a Christian, I look at, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, Christianity is more of a a, a socialist-type religion. Well, no, it's not, really. It's not at all. In fact, it Christ didn't tell us to be compelled to give to the poor from government. It's supposed to be of our own free will, and if we're following the 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 teachings of Christ, are, and there's other religions that do teach the similar concepts in that, but in, in the end, are, are you doing it out of compulsion? Or are you doing it out of, because that's what's really in your heart, because that's what does matter. That's right. That's right. Now, you're, you're, you know, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I haven't read any place in the Bible that says, give money to government so, money can, so the government can take care of the poor. It's directly on us to take care of the poor, the needy, the widows. That's, who's, that's what it says, and that directly falls on us. And you know what else we can do when we do it? We can be better at it. You know? Yeah. We, we can be better. We can be more impactful. We can get to directly to them. It doesn't have to go through 27 bureaucracies to get there. We can walk out, find somebody in need, and take care of them, and that's pretty special. And then you create the relationship, and probably what happens from that point on is that person turns around and does it for somebody else, and that's how we change the world. 
Yep. It's not uh, it's not under compulsion because when, when my money gets taken away from me and given to to someone else, I I don't feel a sense of charity there. But I would probably have given that money to those people that needed help anyway if it wasn't taken from me, mm-hmm. and I could physically see them. But that also gets us back to uh, I'm going to go back to the to the sports side of it. And I wrote on on my uh, Facebook page today the the show Facebook page as I was uh, promoting the show a little bit, and it talks about hard work and, and those things. And this, Again, this is going back to the sports. I, I actually wrote on here, we have this misconception that fun and hard work can't co- coexist in sports. That couldn't be further from the truth. We want our kids to be as good as they possibly can be in sports, and often we see great potential, but our kid just isn't working hard enough. Have you ever asked yourself why that's the case? Maybe it's because we as adults have taken the fun out of the sport. If a kid is to become great at a sport, the sport must be fun for him or her first. If it's fun, they will grow to love the game to such an extent that they don't even think of the hard work as being work at all. Work is something that you have to do. Playing and practicing a sport should never feel like work. When your kid loves practice as much as the game, that's when they'll find excellence in the sport. So true. I mean, you know, I think there's two things you have to find a balance of. The first balance is this, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll phrase it this way. I don't think you'll ever find a great team where it's all work and no fun, and you'll never find a great team where it's no all fun and no work. Um, they have to balance. So the kids have their passion and their joy that go with it. Then it has to balance based on age appropriate. You know, we talk about up until about junior high, and that's why junior high coaches are so vital, having, ha- having fun is being silly. And then somewhere in junior high, early high school ages, most kids, athletes, go to having fun as being good. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, junior high coaches, they're, they're, they're my treat because, you know, half their kids are being silly and half their kids are trying to have, you know, trying to just have fun. You know, half are being fun, half are being silly, half are, be, you know, excuse me, half are being silly and half are trying to be good. And that's such a tough thing to balance, and that's why junior high coaches are just uh, treasures. Um, you know, because if you're working with really little kids, they're all being silly. You're working with high school and college kids, they better all be trying to be good. But you've got to balance that fun in there. And that's why, you know, I love walking into, you know, you'll be surprised how many times you're a great team. You walk in to a basketball practice of a great team, and guess what they're doing a couple times a year? They're not playing basketball. They might be have a team handball day. Something where they're still working on basketball skills, but they're having something else that the kids can enjoy just to keep the fun and the excitement in it. You know, it's funny you say that about um, about middle school sports because one of the coaches that that um, had mo- one that I remember the most and had one of the biggest impacts on my life was my middle school basketball coach, a guy named Louis Green, who was not only a great coach but he was a great man. And um, you know, I never thought of it that way because you do have kids that that are you know they're maturing at different times some are ready to do the hard work and some are still still the little kids that they were and you know by the time they get to high school that sort of changes a little bit but uh you know i'm reading actually on that post here on on, uh about the success and the significance on here and one of the uh one of the folks on here actually um wrote something on here a guy named roger said i think a lot of a lot of us coach because of that one coach we've had in our past, yep. the one who impacted our lives in such a meaningful way, not necessarily on the field or the court, but meaningful impact as we became men and women, husbands and wives, coaches. And that's I, that. 
I don't understand why every person that coaches the game doesn't want that to be their legacy. You know, Louis Green was never a rich, rich man, but man, did he leave lessons with us that, that lasted a lifetime. And he was the appropriate coach for us at that time. And as we moved, I moved on to high school basketball and high school baseball, we did have coaches that focused a little bit more on, on the being just the being good part. Um, but yet Roger Finley, who was my high school baseball coach, outside of my dad and, and my grandfather, had the most impact on the way that I play the game because have you ever had a coach, Rob, that you, I don't know what it is about them, but they have a way of pushing a button that you would run through a wall for them. I, and, I, was, I was so fortunate. I had four of them. And, and I say this because I had three in high school. My, my head basketball and baseball, uh, head basketball and football coach, Bill McCollum, you know, he was one of those guys that taught me, you better be fundamentally sound. You better be, you know, I mean, it really, 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 the work habits, the fundamental part. And then I had my, my the, actually, the, my junior high school basketball, my junior JV basketball coach, and he was assistant football coach, George Gardy, who, who taught me, Rob, you can be more. He's the one that kind of, he's the one that constantly looked at me and said, you can be more and pushed that button. And then my high school tennis coach, who was my junior high basketball coach, was the one that got me to understand you got to have fun while you're doing it, but worked us as hard at the same time. My college basketball coach put them all together. And the reason I say that is I think sometimes those of us that have had those coaches don't get it. It's not the other way around. It's us that don't get it. And the reason I say that is we don't get there's other people out there that don't have that experience. We think everybody has that. And I was at a Pac-12 institution earlier this year. And one of the coaches came up to me, assistant coach on one of the teams, came up to me, looked at me in the eyes and said, I've never had that coach. And I just about fell over because it hit me. Rob, you have, but there's a lot that haven't. And, and it, that's where we got to go back to the intentionality of coaching and show people there is a different way. Yeah, and Roger Finley was was one of those guys that that had an impact on on, on all of us. I mean, he, I, I was talking to him a few years after graduating from college, and and Roger is is retiring this year as the second winningest coach in South Carolina State history in baseball. And I, I told him, I said, "Man, you must you you were a really really good coach because he was. I think he was the fastest to a hundred wins of any coach in the history of the state." And I talked talked about how how much of an impact he made on us. And he finally pulled me aside. He says, Mickey, he says, I would have been an idiot to lose with you guys. <laughs> he says, you guys were all fundamentally sound when you got here. It was just a matter of me not screwing it up. Yep. And uh, th- those coaches are, uh, they're hard to come by. And you're right. I, I, I have had the the opportunity to have played for a little bit of both um my high school and and growing up was probably more of the coach that you and i were talking about a minute ago uh that was the one that left a positive impact at at vanderbilt it was a little different and it wasn't that coach muburn was a bad bad guy because coach muburn doesn't get the credit that he deserves for creating the program that tim corbin has today Mm -hmm. but i will never forget when i went on my my recruiting trip to to vanderbilt and I was used to being on teams that our goal was to win the whole thing at the beginning of the year. That was our goal. And uh, we still had successful seasons. We weren't miserable if we didn't win it. But that was our goal. It was to win a state championship. And I'll never forget going up to my – and it was almost enough of a sinking feeling to cause me not to go there. And I walked into the locker room, 
And back in, in 1989, um, in the SEC, you had to finish, as back when we had 10, 10 teams in the conference, you had to finish in the top six just to get into the SEC tournament. And I'm looking up on the wall, and the goal is to make the SEC tournament. And I'm going, really? And, you know, it actually boiled down to um, as good as I thought I was, I didn't have a lot of choices, and my choices really came down between Vanderbilt and Clemson, and Vanderbilt was giving me more money to go to school than Clemson was. But, you know, that's what I didn't understand was that drive toward toward excellence, and I think that's what Tim Corbin has brought to the school that, that for whatever reason, Coach Muber was, was unable to do. I think a lot of it, you know, the focus on we got to reach our potential. Because I think, you know, take away the Vanderbilt and, and you know, what t- Tim's been able to do there, but there's so many places in our country that, you know, you're, because of the gene pool, I mean, you know, right. let's face it, you know, uh-huh. one of the best ways to get better real quick is you have a better gene pool. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's just it. Uh, but saying that, I think I, what, coaches of significance understand the difference between there's goals and objectives. Goals and objectives are vital. Okay, goals and objectives aren't necessarily in your control. And what I mean by that, go back to your experience. Your goal could have been to make the SEC tournament, and you guys played great during the conference tournament, but you just had six teams that were flat out better than you. That didn't make the season unsuccessful. Right. They didn't reach that goal. There's a difference. Goals and objectives are, like I said, needed. We all have to have them individually and as a team. They're things we strive for. What we work at Proactive Coaching is, is on core covenants. And the core covenants are the things you can always guarantee. Those are your choices, your effort, your behavior, your, your, you know, your willingness for passion, your, all those kind of things that are totally in your control. Those are the things that coaches of significance really work on and put them hand-in-hand hand with your goals and objectives, and that creates that successful season. Coaches that aren't there just have goals and objectives, and if you don't reach them, it's an unsuccessful season. No, nope, not necessarily. But when we're focused on that, then it becomes unsuccessful. Yeah, and, and you know, after after being there for four years, I finally realized how hard it was to actually make the SEC tournament and finishing 500 in the conference was pretty good. And by the way, in, in 1990, we reached that goal, and we actually – we were one win away from making the making the NCAA tournament back in uh, in, in 1990. But you know, look, we're we're actually getting ready to go to a break. But um, before we do that, I, I want to make sure that we stress what you guys do so much at, at, at proactive coaching, and and when you talk about those goals and, and what those may mean, because you know, I I coach. Um, my 13-year-old, and I also coach my 8-year-old, and, and you, you're definitely right on how we set up practices. The things we work on are totally different, um, and it's really actually diff- more difficult at that 8-year-old age group because you've got kids that are significantly more advanced at 8 than other kids, which in turn winds up being the opposite around when they get to be 12 or 13, but it's a very difficult thing, and um, you know, I, I, I learn a lot watching the eight-year-olds, Rob, because they do go out. They're very competitive little boys. They want to win the game that they're playing. But I, it's a beautiful thing to watch them 10 minutes after the game, whether they've won or lost. You can't tell the difference. That's right. 
That, that, yeah. that's, the, that's the difference between having fun is being silly, and, and the word is silly in quotation marks, versus having fun is being good. Because when having fun is being good, it's going to take them longer to recover from a loss if they put out maximum effort because they're tired physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, the whole works. And, and but everybody wants to win. That's why I'm one of those things. Don't keep score every game. Every kid knows the score, and we know every parent knows the score. Keep score. That's my feeling. Okay, just don't get caught up in it. Right. Okay, right. just don't get, just don't live and die by it. Just keep score because again, people want to win. Being competitive is good, and there's nothing wrong with the desire to win. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hey, we're coming up on a break. We've really overextended this segment, and uh, thanks for tuning in, um, everyone. We'll be back with Rob Miller and Proactive Sports when we get back from this break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and thank you for, for tuning in this week. If you if you missed the first three seg- first two segments of the show, we normally have three, but Rob and I have talked so long that we only had two this time. Um, if you missed those, shame on you, but you can go back on, on demand or on iTunes later to listen to listen to that part. Don't listen for me. Listen for Rob because Rob is, is, is the actual expert on this show. We've talked a lot about youth sports and, and sports in general and how it, how it can uh, impact the lives of kids as they grow older and, 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 and those sorts of things. And one of the things I notice a lot on on proactive coaching's website by the way there's a link on my site to their site as well um it is that you talk a lot about intentional coaching rob what are what does in, what is intentional coaching what are the traits of intentional coaching yeah i think uh, two different things here i think intentional intentional coaches are coaches who again as we talked about most of the show that go beyond the x and o's that are really coaching kids 
to reach their potential. And, and to reach a potential, you have to make great choices on effort and behavior. And so that, that's really important that they're really going beyond that. And, and some of the traits that we talk about, and, and just kind of give a few, is one is they have the trust of their athletes. That's key. A lot of kids do not trust their coaches for whatever reason. Maybe it's professional preparation. Maybe it's personal caring. Maybe it's character. But they have built that trust relationship. It's not going to happen just because you go on a team. You've got to build that trust relationship. And athletes that trust their coaches okay, are going to perform at a higher level. Intentional coaches work at that. They don't just let it happen. They work at gaining trust. So that, that's a whole hour of presentation right there, but, but just stop with that one. Okay. The second thing I t- I'd like to talk about a lot is that they're coaches who lead, not manage. Now, as, as coaches, whatever sport we're in, we get into administration. We have to do the schedule. We have to make sure that everything's set, whether it be youth sports, you know, who's going to do this, 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 whether it be high school, you know, who's going to pay the officials, who's got the clock, all those kind of things, to college. There's a lot of administration involved. We always sure. talk about intentional coaches manage their program and lead their athletes. I think that's huge. We don't want to manage our kids. We want to lead our kids. And that's another trait of an intentional coach as you go through it. A third one is their clear and consistent standards. Intentional coaches have clear and consistent standards. Their kids know what they are. And I hope you heard that word standards, not rules. And one of the biggest things when I met Bruce probably 15 years ago is really heard him go on the standards, not rules. Because you can't have rules, you know, that cover everything. And if you do, how big's the book going to be? And that's some of the NCAA's <laughs> issues. How big is their book? And they don't cover everything. It winds yeah, up looking like a seventy thousand page tax code. But that's uh, that's yeah, the same thing. Exactly. Same same exact thing. And and you look at it, you have standards, and, and there's some great standards out there. I mean, the best one is Bruce's. I love this. Don't let your teammates down. What doesn't that cover? It covers effort, attitude, behavior, um, you know, everything. So there's the third one is have the standards. One of the ones I love is, is, is they are a coach of significance because they, they're teaching these kids, which we've already talked about, they're teaching them skills outside of the sport itself. And they're, they're a difference. They're not coaches who are intentional, bring a passion with them every single day. They're not status quo. They're not, you know, dead-eyed. They're trying to get better every single day and bring that passion to their kids. And I'll share this quick story with you. It happened about eight, nine years ago. Um, We're out in California, and Bruce and I are both speaking at an event, and the third person speaking that day is John Wooden. And I called us the warm-up band because no one really cared to hear, you know, Bruce and I. They were all there for just Coach Wooden. And, you know, Coach Wooden was pretty feeble at the time. His mind was great, but his physical, you know, this was when he was 93 years old. And I'm done speaking, and, and I'm sitting next to Coach Wooden, and Coach Brown's about ready to go. My partner, Bruce, is getting up to speak. Coach Wooden looks at me and just says this, Rob, can you do me a favor? Sure, Coach, what? Can you take notes on Coach Brown's presentation? That's what he asked me to do at 93. Take wow. notes on it. And I just looked at it and said, I'm glad to, Coach. Why? And his response was, good stuff. I need it for the next team I'm going to coach. 93 years old, he was still looking at getting better. And my response was, can I play for you? <laughs> Let's go. And, and so you know, there's more there, but I think if you really look at those four, you have their trust. Have you set clear standards? Do you lead your kids and do you bring your passion and enthusiasm with you every single day? That's an intentional coach who's going to impact kids for the better. And you know, I've got a, a quick story. I'll, I've to- told you about that incident where. Uh, we played earlier in the year, and the kids played a really, really bad game, our 13-year-old, 14-year-old team. 
they played two, one really bad game, and I really dug into them in between games, and they only turned around and played worse in the next game. And we went back and did the reevaluation. I did a reevaluation, and it did boil down to, to, to what you're talking about with the trust because I, I told them we're, we're going to come back at this at a different angle. I'm, I think that you guys are emulating us, which is, a, which is not a good thing because when, when they would make an error, our heads would go down, their heads would go down. And it took into the second, no, the, that first game, one of the kids made a huge mistake, and I could see the trust take place when he was coming off the field. He was, he was expecting to get a tongue lashing, and what he got instead was a hug and a laugh that basically said, well, I guess you'll probably never do that one again, right? Yep. And and I think we have that trust with most of the players. Um, I, I'm learning a lot with, with what you guys are doing. You know, we're coming close to the end of the show. We only got a few minutes left. So let, let's let's make sure people know how to uh, how to find you guys, how to get the information. And you also have an announcement that you're about to, that you're going to make on the show of something you're going to be doing real soon. Yep. First of all, the best way to get a look at our materials, and, and uh, if you're ever interested in having us come to your school, your youth organization, whatever, is to go to our website, which is proactivecoaching.info. That's proactivecoaching.info, which that .info sometimes gets you, so that's a different one. Or well, you just you, contact you, me you... directly at rob at proactivecoaching.info. That's rob at proactivecoaching.info. Uh, if you go to our Facebook and just look at us and search for us under Proactive Coaching LLC, you will come and you'll find us. And then what the best thing to do there is then it, you'll find a lot of the information you're talking about. That we post, Bruce posts about three or four times a day. I post about once a week, so that's the difference between us. <laughs> and, uh, and he has just, it, it, it's stuff, it's not frivolous stuff. It's stuff you can, it's application-based. What are some things we can think about and do today in practice? What are some things we can sit and do this at home with our child? What are some things as an athlete I can do to get better? That's the information that comes on there. And the announcement we're talking about is towards the 1st of August, we may do one before then, but it will be that last week or and starting after, we're going to start doing some webinars, which we announced on our Facebook page. And, uh, and uh, so, so some of the people that necessarily aren't part of an organization or a school that, that is in a position to bring us in will be able to join us online for some webinars. And we'll be dealing with all three of our target areas. And our target areas are coaches at all levels, athletes, uh, including leadership athletes. And then the third one is parents and some of the things we can do as parents to make our, teams, our kids reach potential. Well, that, sound, I mean, that sounds awesome because that gives – the folks that aren't a part of organizations, whether it be a high school team or, or whatever, uh, uh, it, whatever it might be, that are really there's more of us out here that are coaching these these little league teams and and other teams that could use the information, but uh, we miss out on it because we're not a part of those organizations. This is a way to get this valuable information, and frankly, um, yeah, I, I I don't think there's a cost for it other than taking a little bit of time, and we all as as coaches, athletes, and parents can use this information going forward. Rob, we've got one minute left. What's the last thing that you want to say before we? Before we end the show, well, I think there's a lot we've talked about here today, and I think one of the one of the phrases we use at Proactive Coaching is this: as a coach, be the face your child needs to see, or excuse me, your athlete needs to see. Be the face your athlete needs to see. And so, when that moment of crisis comes, are they seeing you freaking out? Are they seeing you calm, composed? We've been here before. As a parent, be the face your kid needs to see. 
When they come in there, you're not freaking out as a parent. Their value is not tied to performance. Their value is tied to them as your son or your daughter. That's the key. Absolutely. Well, we're at the end of the show. If you want to find out more about Proactive Coaching, look them up on Facebook, look them up on the website. If you can't remember the website, go to MickeyEllison.com and you can click on the link to it. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show this week, and I hope to have you back sometime soon. Thanks, Mickey. I always appreciate it. All right. See you folks next week when Tiffany Sweely and Michael Gowan will join us again. so much for joining us on the mickey ellison show mickey plans to be here again next wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we hope you'll be here too thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 